When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the realms of Middle-earth to the shores of the Undyne Lands, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Kat Napsok, and we are taking a deep dive, or about to take a deep dive into episode six. Man, what an epic, epic episode. Say it with me. The director, Charlotte Brandstorm, writers, Nicholas Adams and Justin Dobble, also J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, showrunners, getting writing credits as well, but they're all in a wonderful room having fun. Quick summary before we begin the battle has come and darkness with it how far can you go into the darkness until you lose the light that is the central question at the center of the biggest episode yet of rings of power adar and arondir lead their respective forces in a battle over the very future of the southlands and both lean on elven traditions and the defiance of death to do so it's a fine line between light and dark as bronwyn and the villagers stand their ground the armies of numenor ride to their aid to face not just the invaders into the south, but the shadow of an old evil. We're going to dive on in here, and oh, when I say I'm not coming alone to this party, man, we got an all-star cast. Look at all these faces here today. Man, we have got um, our old standby, uh, Alden Diaz. He's my... Adar to my Sauron. We'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you went for the worst possible one. No, it's fine. Yes, I did. It's cool. Uh, Rachel Cushing Levine is here as well, back from traveling all over the lands of Middle Earth and Westeros. And special guests. Oh, we've had him on before. Yes, you know him from Star Wars Explained. But man, does he love this world as well. Alex Damon, join us here today. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, can I be the Legolas to your Gimli? I'm going to call that That's before accurate. Alden does. That's accurate. And. I guess I'll take a seal door if you want to be Ellen Gill. Hey. I'll, I'll be Halbrand. I'm Moody. Go. There you go. You're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're hey, we're all just war, warriors in uh, Galadriel's army here, and Rachel is our Galadriel. So we're all serving here. Good to have you all here, uh, Rachel. Good to have you back. Thanks for getting getting uh, traveling safely and getting back to the show. Oh, happy to be here. I uh, missed a big one last week, but uh, you guys held down the fort very well. You know, last week, I love last week's episode. It's perhaps one of my favorites, but I know it caused a lot of stuff, not to go back into the past, but yeah, there's there's a lot of lore things, I guess is the nice way to put it, Rachel, last week. How are you feeling going into episode six? Yeah, they, they took a big swing with mm. the the um, idea of how the origin of Mithril came about and mm. what it, how linked it is to the elves, which is definitely something that they came up with. Yeah. Um, but... I, while the first time I watched it, I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know this legend. Um, but I, I get what they're doing and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm was more on board the second time I watched it. And I think, you know, time will tell as well, this mm-hmm. idea of the fading of the elves and how it's linked to mm-hmm. Mithril and then mm-hmm. most likely leads to 
the forging of the rings in some way, shape or form, mm. all of that being connected, I actually think is an interesting way to go. So we'll see. Interesting way to go. This week I watched, I wish I could give uh, the YouTube channel credit. I, I don't remember. I just, it popped up in my algorithms, uh, notifications. And I, and I watched this uh, like nearly hour plus video. It reminded me of an Alex Damon Star Wars canon video, canon timeline. <laughs> mm. And it was just like the history going back from like the very beginning, the Valor, everything to, to, uh, you know, the, the, Hey, I know Frodo, that type of stuff. And that's the first time it really dawned on me, even though we've talked about it, even though you've mentioned it, Rachel, the first time I've really realized, man, they are squishing thousands upon thousands of years yeah. together. And yep. maybe they have to in some ways, but also what a task, what a daunting task, Rachel. Mm -hmm. It's still, that's my biggest question still, because yeah. we spent the, this entire episode, Udun, in mm -hmm. the Southlands. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> The show's called Rings of Power, so I yeah. keep wondering, you know, when are we going to get to that part of it? But we're so focused on the southern part, which mm. if you do know the the lore and the um, the calendar of events, mm. then you know that this is sort of seemingly happening backwards. Mm. Um, I At this point, though, six episodes in, I have trust in this team of writers, mm. and I I, they have mapped this out. They have figured it out. They planned out the five seasons that they hope to do from the get go. So I'm sure it'll work, but there's still parts of me that is like, this is yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> puzzle pieces. Yeah. A lot of well, if we just check the uh, Celebrimbor work schedule here, I believe he said spring. <laughs> yeah. So if the season finale is called It's Spring, then I have an idea of what's happening. Uh, Alex, I want to talk to you about this here. Uh, we can make our jokes about Star Wars canon. It's important and, and what's going on. Uh, Star Wars doesn't have the legalities at play that this show does. But going into mm -hmm. episode six, how, how have you been enjoying this ride? And sub-question, does it feel good to not have to worry about making a two-hour canon video based on anything? Oh, it feels so good. And like, I would consider myself a big fan of Tolkien. I've read a lot of his works, not all of them, but it's probably, it was definitely my second big obsession growing up. Mm. So I consider myself like this is an important uh, world to me, mm. but it's also so nice to not know nearly as much. And like Rachel just said about Mithril's origins, I had no idea that was different. I was just like, oh, neat little legend. Like yeah. I learned something new. And so it's <laughs> nice to not have that stuff nagging in the back of my mind to just yeah. be able to enjoy it a little more. Because in Star Wars, yeah, some little thing is different and I have to reconcile it within myself and be like, it's okay, it's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's well, nice to not have to do that here. <laughs> well, we're all experiencing this wonderful series Andor that's going <clears throat> going that thing you read on Wikipedia or in that, uh, that visual dictionary. We're going to tell you the actual truth behind it and get there in a creative way. Um, and before we dive into episode six, uh, regarding regarding the myth world, now that I have you here, uh, Rachel, uh, what do you think about this idea that I, I've seen some stuff float around there, but hey, we don't know exactly what's entirely true there too. Gilgalad could be telling a story that's influenced by something or how true to is it, is it to what might actually be going on? Do you do you like that kind of wriggle, wriggle, wriggle room? That's a, that's, a, that's a tough sentence to say on a- Rob Friday. Wriggle Room. Rob Wriggle Room. Uh, First, I'll say that Gilgalad is acting real shady. So I do think that there's more going on there. Um, interesting take on the character. But um, the wiggle room here works for me because they, they need to find a way or they need to find the stakes for the elves at this stage in the second age. And we know in the third age that their kind is dwindling. Mm -hmm. 
that eventually they're going to leave the shores completely. And now it's the, a world of men. There's, the elves no longer have a place here. So this is the beginning of that. And it's interesting to me that they've come up with this idea that they are in, in a literal way going to fade away. Mm-hmm. And that the only thing that can sustain elves is the light of the two trees of Valinor, which then was captured in the Silmarils. And so they're taking that very literally and saying, okay, what, what's the next step? And so they make up this myth, this legend, this idea that Mithril is actually another descendant of that light and therefore very important to their lifespans and their playing a part in Middle-earth, which clearly they still want to do. They, most of them don't have that longing yet to leave yeah. the shore, which happens in the next age. So I, I, I see all the connecting points. So I, I get it and and I don't mind it. I'm still like where it goes will determine ultimately if I'm okay yeah. with it. But in terms of what they're trying to set up for the elf, the elven kingdoms and the elvish characters to give mm. them some kind of stakes in this way, mm. I think is actually pretty smart. And honestly, you know, I love Mithril because, you know, I named my cat Mithril. So if you get it all into the story, I'm I'm here for it. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm intrigued and hopeful for this little twist. And it's all been tying into these themes of light and darkness that's all through this episode here. So does that mean your cat had light and darkness in it and it was always at war? I'm pretty sure most cats have both light and dark. Yeah. Well, you see, cats are made when Balrogs fight <laughs> elves. Cats sure. are born. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our overall overall reactions to this episode. And I definitely want to start with our uh, guest here, Alex Damon, on uh, what you just kind of feel going in. We'll take a look at the big moments, the big reveals, the themes. But overall, uh, after this viewing, I got a text from you that I think said it all. But what did you feel? Yeah, so watching this series so far, I've been into it. I've been watching it as soon as I can every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it hasn't grabbed me the way that the books and the films did yet. And then I watched this episode, and it was just like being punched in the face over and over. <laughs> but like every moment, I was like, oh, this is so good. Uh, I, I think this was the episode that fully brought me on board. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about seeing a cavalry charge in yeah. Lord of the Rings that you, you can't not love it. Mm-hmm. But then the, the end really yeah. sold it. Like I was just not expecting that. I thought they did a great job of almost setting it up as a familiar story, very Helm's deep ish. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they, they come in, the cavalry swoops in and saves the day. And you're like, Oh, what a nice story. And then it still all falls apart. So yeah. I, I had that expectation of that this is going to be okay. And of course it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I found that this is an epic level uh, episode indeed. And I loved, I put this no doubt of like, they played around with a lot of things that we are so familiar with, not just in this world and the other properties uh, that, uh, you know, tell the story, but Star Wars, uh, high, high fantasy, even some Game of Thrones stuff where it's like, Oh, the, the, the overwhelmed villagers make a stand. It's like three amigos. Oh, we got it here. And then uh, the, even a king, a king returns. Over, over all of that, you kind of got to sense something's coming. But I think like you, Alex, I think I, at one point I, I just kind of went, oh, that's good. Oh, wait, that's an axe. What's going on? And it just kind of worked. Oh, that, that bugged me just because I was like, someone open that burlap sack. Like, <laughs> just, just double check, please. I, I was, I was, I, it got me. I didn't even have the open it thoughts. I was like, what a great idea, Aaron. Where's Galadriel? Let's give it to her. And then all of a sudden, you know what, Walter? Yeah. 
you should have just stayed a barkeep, man. Man, you, you well, ruined the entire continent. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I, I just kind of love that the episode did that. I got I, I got swept away. You can look at it, even the title of the episode here if if you know a little bit of lore. And, and I've been diving in deeper and deeper and writing trivia questions about this world. And I saw that title, Udun. Right? Is that, am I saying that right, Rachel? I don't even know how to say it. Yeah, Udun. Yeah. Udun. And I know they're <laughs> chanting that, but I went like, ah, interesting title. Wonder what that means. We'll find out. Oh, we found out. So, Alden, your overall thoughts on this big episode? I had a similar Udun thought where, because I sometimes the episode titles get out, House of the Dragon, they're all out there. These are being, I don't know, they're kept under lock and key, but I haven't seen a list. And so when yeah. I logged into Amazon, saw Udun, I had a moment of, this might not be literal, but doesn't that mean hell or something? And then I was like, nah, well, okay, let's just start it. And then, uh, oh boy, uh, yeah. it was definitely ominous. I loved this episode. Um, yeah. I was already really loving the show. Mm-hmm. Episode five's ending with Bear McCreary's sail, sailing into, into the dawn mm-hmm. has become one of my favorite tracks in anything that I've seen in a long time. I've been like, living with this energy, this forward momentum of Galadriel and Palbrand and the Numenorians coming in. Mm-hmm. I love the way that they handled the idea of, and this is a controversial thing. We saw this a little bit with uh, another fantasy show's later seasons of the audience has to accept the social contract that these are not happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you just have to roll with that. They tell you what the Numenorean approach plan is. You don't need to see it. Some people might feel differently about that. They get there pretty quickly, but you just have to sort of accept, well, you know, if the Harfoots can have a seasonal montage, then <laughs> time is being, you know, messed with here. Yeah. So those real life, like construction things aside, uh, the character moments are so beautiful. The action is fantastic. Arandir really uh, channeling his inner Orlando Bloom in that opening sequence of I will take out the entire first wave by my damn self yeah. by kicking a, a chain that pulls a board that does a whole thing. And that was fantastic to watch. It was fantasy wish fulfillment in a really good way, but always driven by characters stopping to talk about, you know, fathers and sons and. Yeah. Why is your your wife dead? Oh, I thought the seat was always right. We'll talk about that and and different things like that a- along the way. Um, extremely powerful. We'll do our usual weekly uh, betting segment on the identities of certain people because once again we have shaken up that foundation. Yeah. yeah. But I love this one, and I think that the Adar has ascended for me into the ranks of great television villains already in terms of. I mean, we talked we talked with you, Rachel, just now about like, is there some fallibility in what Gilgalad says? And Adar sort of represents the fallibility of all of this. Like what he said, like the lies are so deep, they go into the trees and the mountains and all that paraphrasing. And here it's like, oh, villain made a great point, which is such a classic thing. And uh, yeah, his plot was, um, you could say it had some big implications. It did, it did, yeah. Yeah. Uh- Adar and Arondir kind of having the same belief system and the way they played with that. I really love that in this episode. But Rachel, uh, uh, coming off of the, you know, the great Mithril controversy of 2022, sitting down for this episode, uh, I think Alex brought, up, uh, Alex brought up a good point. This is a very Lord of the Ringsy episode. How do you feel overall about uh, what you saw here? Yeah, I can totally understand why so many people are saying this is their favorite episode thus far, or even the best episode thus far, mm. because it was more contained. We had to set up so many different characters in so many disparate areas. And because I already know so much and because I love the world so much, I, 
you know, been loving pretty much all of those across the board. But this episode is more of a classic episode of television. It's more focused. It's basically taking place in one area. It's only including two of our major groups of people, completely excluding the other two being uh, Lyndon and um, Casa uh, Lyndon Casadoom, and then the Harfoots. So by having that not in play, you can tell in one episode a full story with like a beginning, middle, and end, and have it focused. So that's just by the nature of the kind of episode is it's going to be. And then they up the ante by it being a battle. But what I loved about it was, as Alden sort of said. It balanced very well with personal character-driven moments, like the 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 interchange or exchanges between characters from Isildur and Galadriel on the boat to uh, uh, Bronwyn and Arondir. Yes, I cheered when they kissed. Like th- that yeah. that relationship has got me hook, line, and sinker now. <laughs> like they developed That's that great. perfectly, beautifully. Like That's I'm great. in. All the stuff with Theo, I actually think Theo is a much more interesting character than I thought he was going to be at the very beginning. And I love that. Like, so you have all of this action and you have Aaron Deere being a badass and you have a cavalry charge and you have Galadriel just kicking butt. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. All of that. But you also have these other moments. And that is most important to me. I I love the action and the epic as much as the rest of every Mm -hmm. uh, the fans. But only if it serves the story and the characters. And this episode really, truly did that in my mind. And then I also really liked the back and forth of the battles. It's like, we're good. We 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 won the first round. And then it seemed like we were in the second round. But then, oh my God, lift their helmets. What? We're yeah. fighting our own people. And then, oh, they spring their trap. And then, oh, we're all about to die. Uh, giving up the the sword key. Oh, and here comes the cavalry. Okay, we've won the day. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> so yeah. it's like the fact that it kept doing that, I thought was very well paced, very well plotted out. And the only hiccup I had, and I just have to say it, it's like, how did Adar and Waldrick survive that tower collapse? <laughs> I thought about it too. I, I, he I, took I, one I, step to the left, and he's like, "Yeah, okay." Right. <laughs> totally return of the king. Just yeah, had to put it up there, and just said, "Okay, fine." Like you said, went with it because that's what you do to make sure you have all these pieces. Fine, and that's it's fine. I, like, I think what happened really is the, the whole thing was crumbling, and Adar grabbed Waldrag and then ran up the stones like Legolas yeah. in uh, Battle of Five Armies. I think I saw it. I think I saw that. Yeah. No, uh, great stuff there, Rachel. Yeah, I think the pacing and how they put it together. Like I said, I went for that journey, and even though in the back of my head, you're like, hey, you know, not everything. This, this isn't it. Something. It, I think the way it played out, I, one of my favorite moments was the, 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 the differences in the blood, right? In that gruesome scene, yeah. of the mm-hmm. blood dripping down onto Arondir, and then uh, oh. him seeing the red blood. Like it played so well, and then it's just again plotting, pacing, all those kind of things. Uh, big home run. For this episode there. Big things to do. I, I yeah. kind of want to talk about to, to the love of the blood. I don't think I was ready for how brutal this episode was going to yeah. be. Like Lord of the Rings, you know, it got violent, but you didn't I don't know, like they that. really, they lingered on it this time. And yeah, yeah, like stabbing an eye and then having it bleed onto mm-hmm. R&D mm-hmm. and Molly was screaming, close your mouth, man. <laughs> but the, the like slaughtering the villagers and stuff too. It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm more used to seeing that in. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, but seeing it this like took me by surprise completely. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even the healing of Bronwyn was violent. Mm-hmm. The because oh, you've yeah. seen in action before, like yank an arrow out, but yeah. they lingered, and she yeah, it wasn't Aragorn coming in and like magically helping Aowen out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, rip yeah. the arrow out, burner. <laughs> God. Yeah, a, a, a lot of stuff here as we dive into the big episode uh, Big episode moments reveals. I'll let you guys all kind of lead through here, but some of the themes we're going to be touching on here. I, I think the World War One parallels with Tolkien are all through this episode, like trenches under the land. It was amazing to actually see that kind of play out with so much of what influences uh, Tolkien being his experiences World War One. I. I love that. Uh, we got the idea of you can't destroy the symbol of evil, the defiance of death and new life. I put down you have to pay the toll or you have to pay the troll toll if you know the rest of that song and it's always sunny, you can finish it yourself. Uh, The grip of power and uh, we've got uh, the pursuit of home and the concept of home. Home and this being our land or this will eventually be our our land. Isildur kind of looking around going, I like the mountains. Maybe I'll build a castle up here. Uh, We'll see. Uh, A lot of stuff going on there, but Alden, uh, lead us in. Where do you want to go first here? Uh, Themes, battles, what jumped at you? I sort of already hinted at it with that uh, Elendil Galadriel Isildur on the boat scene, which has a so just has a great like. This is one of our traits moments. Like if you if if this is your first time watching anything Lord of the Rings and you're not familiar with you know elves and their how much they weigh and how far they can see and like all those little things about them, that was a beautiful little moment. Like I oh it's been within my sight for an hour already. Like that was really nice. But the whole idea of this episode of everybody sort of having to reconcile with like the darkness within their own philosophies of good like it ties all the way back in with finrod's initial sort of like theme statement for her entire life so galadriel has the big one mm-hmm. of eve your friends like elrond and gilgalad who's less a friend more a boss at least at this point but still have all been saying this and then the villain says it too about yeah. you about perhaps you should have looked at your own mirror. I'm going to learn that whole scene. Don't worry. I will know the dialogue <laughs> by the end of this coming week because um, it's so good. But that, yeah. Theo, it's like we had the moment last time of half of them left. No, but half of them stayed and you stayed and you gave the blade up and you did all this. And that feels like, man, Theo, full potential. And then at the end, it's, but I still really like that power and I still yeah. felt it and I'm still struggling with that. And then you move over to Elendil who's so far a paragon of good, uh, an elf friend, literally elf friend, all these things that he is. The sea is always right. What he's raised his children by, the sea is what murdered their mother mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like she, the whole like, I'm going to tell the story and then turns, she drowned. Yeah. Oof, that the pain in that so that everybody can have their good, but there's always that layer mm-hmm. of evil I thought was the really uh, compelling. And, and that's, you know, People that like like me that grew up on the Jackson movies, it's like you're like, I know that. I know that thing. I saw I saw a sealed or drown. I mean, yeah, he yeah. took some arrows too, but like <laughs> I saw what happened to Frodo. Like it it's really, really poignant. Yeah, big stuff there. Yeah, the idea of Galadriel being trans transformed by the darkness is uh, was a pretty powerful moment. Rachel We'll go to you because I know that's a character you've been tracking. She's close to your heart. Um, but this whole theme of the light and darkness and touching the darkness to find the light and, ooh, can you escape it? What do you think about all this? 
No, I love it. And, um, and of course, I, I have my notes. I'm not going to sit here and say that I've memorized these. But um, at our saying, the Galadriel. I would believe you. I would believe you if you did, Rachel. Like, you, you probably Elf ears go on. Try to pass it off. It's like there's a teleprompter right there. No. Um, but at our says to her, to what Alden was talking about, I see I'm not the only elf alive who has been transformed by mm. darkness. Perhaps your search for Morgoth's successor should have ended in your own mirror. Mm. Um, and it, 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 it's so it's so good. Um, and that is tied to one of the biggest takeaways. And Alden, you said it up at the top, like Adar came into full focus in this episode in a way that I absolutely loved. Mm. And in a way that it's a slight critique or, or one of the things that often happens in fantasy and science fiction, and, and we have several huge Star Wars fans on this panel but like the idea of your your troops just being cannon fodder like mm-hmm. you can kill all the stormtroopers you can kill all the the orcs it doesn't matter they're they're just you know evil or whatever and nobody really thinks twice about it yeah. forgive me uh, it's all right it's sauron <laughs> calling you he likes your points yeah but here you have somebody who sees the orcs as I don't want to say as people, but as worthy. Yeah. Yeah. They have just as much right to life as elves do because they started out that way. Um, And, and the fact that he doesn't really work for Sauron, the fact that he broke with Sauron and is even claiming he killed Sauron Mm -hmm. is not, was so unexpected. You just assume he's, he's doing that bidding, but he's not, he is, he literally traveled across the whole of middle earth with his children Mm -hmm. to find them a home and to find them a place to, you know, to fit in and to not be used as cannon fodder, to not be used for all of Sauron's experiments and everything else. Mm -hmm. So he has, I mean, look, orcs are evil, but like, he has valid points here. And it was one of the critiques against Tolkien was like, orcs were just sort of, nameless, mindless, heartless, easy to kill, you know, monsters. So it's really great to see a layer of like gray area in here. Mm-hmm. And and then to have that conversation with Galadriel about that and see her just resisting and saying, no, you were mistakes and I will eradicate you. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. that that she's she's talking like a Sauron. She's talking like a big bad. And I love that call out because if we all remember the scene in Fellowship of the Ring where Frodo (laughs) offers her the ring and you can see that everybody's desire, evil, good, all of them, is to make the world a better place. That's I mean, he even says that what Sauron was setting out to do. Yeah. Was to Heal. help Middle Earth yeah. to, mm-hmm. to you know so so everybody's coming at it from that point of view. But if you're coming at it from that point of view, then you could go down the dark path, the shadow path, very very easily. And I just think that those parallels are fantastic and just m- give it so much more of a layer. So it's not just Paragon light good guys and evil black bad guys that there's so much more going on um and and yeah i'm i'm loving her journey and then the fact that it's tied in with halbrand and how they both help pull each other back Mm -hmm. from tipping over into that shadow like you get that 
wonderful scene between the two of them where they're clinging to the moments they had fighting side by side on the side of good as something that could keep them from going down those shadow paths. Mm. And they have that in common. And I kept thinking of you, Ken, because I kept thinking, wow, they're, they're doing a lot of work here to make us like Hal Brand and to, and to think that like, be the good guy, you know, Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go into our, our, our our reworked (laughs) predictions of who is who, but this went a long way. To, to make Halbrand the more noble version that I know Ken is rooting for. Uh, you know, deep down aside, love this, and I'll, I'll bring you in here, Alex, on this big theme, but uh, Rachel, you're touching on some great things. I love this gray area, and and we're, we're all fans of, you know, the, the Game of Thrones world, which, which Martin lives in that world, but I love combining that with the Star Wars world of there is a difference between light and dark, and you can go too far. The fact that this episode said we all kind of live in this gray area, and then you got to find the light as we got that great Bronwyn speech to oh, Theo. Love that speech. I think I had that one memorized completely. Let me see. In the end, the shadow is but a small passing thing. There is light <laughs> and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Find the light and the shadow will not find you. I could have read that like Chris Klein in election. Fine. In the end, the shadow is but a small. Um, yeah, uh, I love that tying into what we're talking about with Galadriel's journey, that there is this, it's all potentially in us, but you, in us, but you could be pushed yourself too far you can be pushed too far and you can make that wrong decision so alex these are big themes we usually deal with uh with laser swords but now we got real swords here what do you think about all of it yeah i i do really like adar as rachel said i love that we saw at the beginning him planting the seeds like there's still a bit of an elf in him yeah the same uh, he, he plants yeah. the seeds he can still stand in the sunlight uh, and on the flip side, we had like the villagers, the good guys, the heroes of this episode when they were putting orc heads on spikes. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen that in Lord of the Rings before, but I was still like, that's awfully grim. Uh, <laughs> so I, I like mm-hmm. that there is like darkness in the good guys, yeah. lightness in the bad guys. Uh, I also really love that speech. And this episode did a lot for Theo for me. I really mm-hmm. loved when he was like, you know, that thing you used to tell me, like, can you tell me again? Yeah. I just thought that that was really humanizing. Uh, that that won me over for him because I was kind of iffy as a, as a character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the whole pulling back from revenge uh, is very much a, not the Jedi way. Uh, if you go down that road forever, will it dominate your destiny? It doesn't mean you can't defeat it again. But mm-hmm. yeah, I kept thinking about Galadriel and fellowship and yeah. how she like th- this. Seeing her in the second age makes that moment so much more impactful of like, oh yeah, she could really mess things up <laughs> in Middle Earth yeah. if she wanted to. Yeah. And mm. it it was one of those things that I never quite fully grasped from the books and the movies uh, is that, that power that she had. And likewise, I, I think I never fully grasped what it meant that the orcs came from elves. That's something that I, I knew Saruman talks about it in the movies. I read it in the books, but I guess I just didn't think there'd be a gray area in, in between. I thought they were just tortured, mutilated, and like, boom, we have orcs. Mm. But the fact that Adar is an elf and an Uruk, like he bleeds black, mm-hmm. and he's caught in between these two civilizations, these two people, uh, but still has a paternal instinct over all of the orcs 
Mm -hmm. I, I think is really, really interesting. And uh, I'm glad he survived and got out because I want to see more of him. He's yeah. he's a great villain. I love yeah. that you're uh, rooting for him. Like, I am Halbrand. We're going to be on the right side of history here. <laughs> these are these good guys. guys. <laughs> these are just guys. No, but but, but I love that. Yeah. Adar, Adar, they're still good in him, Ken. They're still good at <laughs> He could be turned. He could be turned. But it's like, yeah, it's 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 about choices, right? Like, or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. They did not choose. There was no uh, become an Uruk sign up sheet. Yeah. They're they're victims as much as you know. Which is that that becomes the distinction when it's like you know, welcome to uh, you know, cast really talk meets Star Wars. But like mm-hmm. some stormtroopers, there was a sign up sheet with the Uruks, there were not. And so to have that sort of emphasized of. We didn't ask to be this way. We didn't ask to be an experiment. And from his point of view, he's like, I put an end to those experiments. So he thinks. And meanwhile, you have a line that I also totally memorized. The whole, uh, but you shall be kept alive so that one day before I drive my dagger into your poisoned heart, I will whisper in your piked ear that all your offspring are dead and the scourge of your kind ends with you. Uh, if that was taken completely out of context. That's great. You just won the audition for your junior you. high production of, of Mice and Men. It's great. Of, awesome. of Mice and Men. Get, I can't even get into Hamlet or something. You're going to Mice and Men me. Uh, but yeah, that that energy is, is villain energy. Yeah. And Morpheus sells it so beautifully. And the idea that this is the woman that will get to that place of that final test and everything that, we, that Frodo witnesses, but also removal. Yeah. That I, the woman that says I cannot stop, who finally got to that moment of honesty, mm-hmm. will eventually get to the point of not only do I not even use swords, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we see later on, like just sorcery and just raw power, but I I'm going to choose a, a peaceful, removed realm. She's not at the Council of Elrond. She's not walking around with them. She's not doing that stuff by the, this time. So to have her at the peak of her powers and writing that line the entire time with Halbrand and with all these people that are sort of reconciling with pain. Even the horses are reconciling with pain. Like the horses are feeling mm-hmm. like they are having trauma bonds, like yeah. to put it in like a real psychological real world term. Like yeah. they get you because they know your highs and your lows. And that and the fact that we can reconcile that mm. across, you know, race divisions is what makes us different than someone like Adar, even if he did at one time have a valid point. And I love yeah. that whole, uh, what are they, the, the Morandir? Is that is that a new word or? Moriandor. Yeah, I mean Moriandor. it's it's a, a like conjugate. They they took two like elvish words and put them together to to make it mean sons of the dark. So nice, love that, mm-hmm. love that there, love that. Yeah, and and this idea, uh, Rachel too about uh, yeah, uh, kind of the new version of the orcs. So something we've been kind of talking the whole series so far about a little, little more sense of community, a little more sense of love <laughs> and connection. I kind of liked uh, old Uncle Benjamin sitting there saying when 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 uh, Galadriel says orcs and he, and he says you know Uruk, uh, as if to be like no 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 this treat us like 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 actual beans here. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not rooting for him like oh Alex Damon over there rooting for the evil. Uh, uh, but it, it, I didn't even realize that was Uncle Bingen until right now. I'm rooting for him even more. <laughs> oh really? Oh, it's so good. I love that. You're yeah, just finding that out. Show Cold Hands is here. Um, yeah, I, yeah, Rachel. What, I, what do you, what do you feel about this kind of recontextualized orcdom, if you will? I, I think that this is one of the best things this show has done thus far that differentiates it. Mm. I mean, we all want it to be in the same realm of the the films that we adore, Mm -hmm. but you can't, you know, 
take a carbon copy and just insert new characters and do different things. And in some ways, there have been a lot of direct parallels. I mean, this episode is very similar to Helm's Deep yeah, all yeah. the way up until the dawn charge of, you know, the reinforcements. Yeah. But you have to insert where you can new wrinkles, new perspectives and to do that with the orcs i think just lends itself to the entire idea that there's no such thing as pure good and pure evil like we were talking about before and i and that's why like adar is just so brilliant and and you know to to read another quote like at the very beginning after he plants the seeds and then he gives like his version of an inspiring speech. And guess what? It is kind of inspiring, even though he's giving it to the orcs. It's not like pain, kill, all this stuff. He's like, he's saying to them, we've been waiting this for a long time. And then he says, some of you may fall, but for the first time you will do so, not as unnamed slaves in faraway lands, but as brothers, brothers and sisters in our home. And like, Again, you take that line as Alden did with Galadriel's, no context, that's a hero line. Yes. That's an inspiration yeah. line, you know? Yeah. So, like, they're just playing. Just sitting that. here like, yeah, oh, no. Wait, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but it's so good. And that's what I love. I love delving into something we've never really thought about before in this world. But it still fits. Mm. It still works because of the parallels, because the the good guys going through something similar just on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I I just, that was the thing that really struck me the most in this episode Mm. was that, that struggle light and dark finding the light or staying in the shadow. Bronwyn's beautiful speech reminded me of something Samwise would say, you know, just all of that wrapped up into it's not, it's not wrapped up into a neat package. Yeah. There's a lot of different layers here. And, um, and I just, I, I really, really, really loved that juxtaposed against what we were seeing with Galadriel Hallbrand and then juxtaposed with something as pure and as beautiful as Aaron Deere and Bronwyn together. Mm. And the kiss that <laughs> caused the round of applause. No, wonderful stuff there. I, I, I'm really uh, fascinated with the, the, I put it down as uh, Adar and Aaron Deere have the same belief system, but almost down to the same words and, and the same traditions, you know, the, the new life and defiance of death. And I love seeing it means something for both. Again, we're not, we're not rooting for the bad guys here, um, but it adds a lot of depth to the decisions that all of our heroes either make or don't make in this series. And that's what I love going on with Galadriel, uh, Theo. Yeah. Theo really kind of, um, I've liked his journey uh, this episode more than any other one. Cause it just was really truthful. Uh, Did you see the yeah. moment when um, Bronwyn starts breathing again and yeah. Theo puts his arm around her and Arondir? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. like, it's like, and because in the previous <laughs> yeah. scene, Arondir yeah. promised that they will plant the rest of the seeds together, you, me, and Theo. And she's yeah. like, promise me. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's a family. And I'm you like, know those, like, <laughs> those meme t-shirts that are like, I'm not a stepdad. I'm the dad that stepped up. Like those, like those things. Like there's a lot of people that are like, someone move that boy's hair away from his ears and let's see what's really going on with him. I love that. He might actually be our endears. Yeah, that's great. I love that there. Um, we're going to get into some of the stuff with the battle later on. I actually broke down some of the beats. A lot of great stuff in there. Uh, some big yeah. questions we're going to answer. But uh, Alex, anything uh, jumping out to you about big moments, reveals, uh, themes that you want to dive into? I think just... It took me until this episode to understand a little bit about how 
uh, Gray, this series is I don't know much about the second age at all. Very, very broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've been kind of curious as to why is Gilgalad acting so shady? Why are the Numenorians kind of crappy <laughs> right now? Like I, I was going into it with the idea that they would all be like Elendil. Mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. and seeing, like, I knew, I know a little bit about Alfarazan and where he's headed. So I, I knew, like, he was trouble, but I was surprised <laughs> that everyone is just anti-elf. And I was kind of like, why, why aren't the heroes working together? Yeah. Elves and dwarves, I get a little bit more, but even that, mm. uh, that we have Durin and Elrond. So I, I just seeing how different the second age is from the third, uh, I, I feel like this episode really helped me get it mm. uh, and also just was completely sick with the battle and the <laughs> the explosion at the end uh that's so the other thing it's it just, just a well all made. around fun ride yeah, yeah. That, that was just well was, made and well choreographed oh, yeah, the production design like yeah. all of the orcs yeah. uh everything oh, about orcs, it looks great your orcs might be some of the best designs and costumes in the show yeah that was the text i got from alex that was sick i was like oh we're gonna have some fun today <laughs> It had like five eyes. (laughs) It really like this, you know, Ken, you and I are like, we're in a constant game of making wrestling references on these shows, but like there's that wrestling term. Yeah. Okay. Putting someone over. Yeah. Of let the audience know how big a deal that they are. Let them know they're the legitimate, all that to go all these episodes with Galadriel normally being around people that don't respect her or already know her. And to then make Theo have that moment with Arandir of like, Oh my God, a woman! Like, oh my goodness! Like he like swoons, and then even Arandir, who's been the badass, has that moment of pause. Like, mm. commander of the Northern Armies, like yeah. Galatriel. Like, oh my God! Like even me. Like that's like wow. Like th- to put that in that character, I think for a completely new person, particularly a, a child watching that. To mm. see your hero have a hero is very, very cool amidst the action. We could be heroes. It's like Alex Damon walking to, into a Star Wars trivia match. It's uh, Or Rachel it's into an intergeekdom match there. Uh, all that kind of <laughs> stuff there. Yeah. Uh, love it. Yeah, I love that moment. I was going to actually ask you about that, Rachel. That was kind of uh, talking about putting someone over. This is uh, despite the journey she's going on and all the tough questions around her. Uh, this is, I don't know. I think they're just putting this, uh, this character that I know you love so much up on the mountains where she belongs. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we, we get from the very first episode that she was the commander of the Northern armies and we saw her fight that ice troll mm-hmm. or snow troll or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and it, it was sort of a blip and then a thing. And then, and then we had this for episodes where she is basically looked down on or pushed around or you know not given her the due that in many ways she has earned up until this point so to see her in her element the the one area that she is definitively one of the best like all her horse moves and just that like her tracking down uh adar on her horse nerling uh call out to the fellowship and uh arwen that's right uh but you know, like just to, to to see all of that, and therefore, instead of somebody just telling you that she was the commander of the Northern Armies and she mm-hmm. was a badass, here we actually got to see it. And yes, I, I was here for all of it. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good stuff. We we, we could uh, pull some themes in as we go on, but uh, bef- so we don't do a three-hour episode here. I do want to get to the actual battles. There's so much. And, and this, uh, this season has been, um, you know, it's been character building, story building, some putting the pieces on the table and doing it in a wonderful way. Uh, at least for the most part, uh, we, we are very positive on the show here, um, but it's been a, a five episode, you know, slower journey. And I think that's a fair observation. And this episode was like, cool, you, you've waited, you're going to get it. A lot of stuff here. Uh, and I just put a list and we can dive on in here. I call this the tower tactic. You mentioned a little bit of that, uh, Alden. Blood of the orc on Arondir and uh, the reveal of the red blood. I put it on the same list as Theoden seeing the Oliphants, but not not above it. I'm just saying it's on that same list of one of those moments where I was like, they did it. Oh, crap, that's red blood. That means they didn't do it. Oh, and I just had that, like, turn yeah. in my heart there. Uh, we got the pulling of the arrow out of, of Bronwyn and all this. Uh, Numenor Dude. answers, my God, that's Numenor's music. Love that moment. Uh, and uh, Gladriel <laughs> and her moves. Um, I want to shout out uh, Valandil and uh, uh, Saving Antanmo. Gosh, all the names. Oh. Um, I love that sequence there, and I love uh, Valandil as well. So I'm just laying a, a big list there. Rachel, go to some of the big moments you want to discuss. Tonight. I know what Rachel's going to say. This isn't a big moment, but Valandil, yeah. when he was fighting, did you see he took uh, Galadriel's advice on how to kill an orc? Like by lunging and then twisting. Yes, yes. He did, yes. He did the exact thing. And like, I'm just here for all of those small, like the big stuff. I get it, and I love it, and we can yeah, talk yeah. about all that. But but that that's like... Theo putting his arm around Arandir. That's mm. Valandil. Do it, it connects yeah. all of these things in a way that just makes me know that the creators and writers are paying attention to all of the details because when you get the details right, it fills in the whole thing in a way mm-hmm. that just makes it feel grounded and real and thoughtful. And I, I just, I absolutely loved all of that. Um, I, I do think that as we sort of mentioned, the, the fight between Arandir and the, the giant orc mm. was brutal and crazy. And it was the first time we've ever seen him put on his heels and very close yeah. to dying. And we also all know that some characters have plot armor. Elendil's not dying. Isildur's not dying. Mm. Uh, Gladriel, like whatever. So whenever like Arandir or Bronwyn or Valandil, these people are in dire straits. Like my brain goes, okay, this could be it. Like I really did think maybe Bronwyn was going to die. Same. And then you have that moment with the, the, the thing in the eye. And I was just like, Oh my God, they're not, they, they're not going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. They can't kill him. Oh my God, they're going to yeah. kill him. Like it was like a whole Is this thing. show going to make me pay for the kiss? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Pay the toll. <laughs> One of them must go. Ugh, it's, yeah. it's so true. And, and like the way that they are able to play into like it's so dense right like I, I just through everything we're talking about i'm amazed looking back on it that it wasn't like the two and a half hour stranger things finale mm. that it was like what an hour 17 like and they managed to get this much into it yeah. all these moments like starting with like arandir in the tower is super cool epic slicked very modern in the way that legolas could be at times um, he doesn't surf on a shield though, so he's still not number one. You have to surf on a shield downstairs <laughs> to be number one. Um, but the the whole idea of like this is the guy that was willing to cut down the tree, 
and he understands that sometimes something that is like held on ceremony, like this was their watch for what, 700 years or something. He'd been in that area mm. and it's got to go. Like yeah. it, it cannot be put above people. It just can't be, even if you respect it, it can't be put above people. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to drop it on some dudes. <laughs> well, it's, it's also like kind of a symbol of the oppression for, for the Southlanders. Yeah. So yeah. it's cool to see him sacrifice his yeah, former right. home in the name of solidarity with them. Like I loved seeing, I keep wanting to call him Treadwell because star Wars, but tread will mm-hmm. when he was like yeah. pretty brave elf, like yeah. pretty brave. I, I really yeah. liked that. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Alex, about what that tower represented in, in, in an episode that is about home or uh, reclaiming home or finding a new home. The found family theme comes in with, with Bronwyn and Theo and, and him as well. So I think that's, that's a pretty powerful symbol as well, uh, as well as just a, a cool fight tactic, which, you know, some people can survive easier than others. That's a fair point, but, uh, you know, Hey, I love that idea. I love how it played out there. They're going to do a comic book thing. Like, yeah, they're going to do like two days earlier and he's going to throw up a shield, like (laughs) some sort of magic shield. (laughs) I I loved the, the shooting the top of the tower, making it crumble, how he locked them all in. I was like, that's, that that was the first time I said, that's so sick. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to do. Like, We've been having great fantasy films and television for decades, decades of this, of everybody trying to put their stamp on what a battle could be across all these franchises. And so it's hard to take X rules for what an elf can do and these set weapons of bows, arrows, sword, spears, and try to create blocking and choreography and, and, and creative things that you haven't seen. And so when you get him that thing and it locks the door and everything, I was like, that's a rare moment if I haven't seen that. That is somebody in a room with a really rad idea. You, you know what it is? It's Luth and Rail saying, build your exit on the way in. <laughs> You're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Arnder. <laughs> you have two choices. You have two choices, Adar. Um, so, yeah, big stuff there. I love that you bring that uh, in as well as the themes to, the, uh, to that, Alex, there. Uh, Alden, I know you probably got some themes, uh, something jumping out of you in, this, in these uh, action sequences here. Yeah, the stuff in the action sequences just in general of it, it sticks. I, look, I'm a sucker for father and son stuff. All right. I'm, I'm always unpacking my issues inside of my inside of my fantasy. Uh, the idea that Muriel gives Isildur that moment of like, go like mm-hmm. we're not all charging, but you go uh, because he's chomping at the bit and he gets in there. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't know necessarily what she thought might tactically happen if she was also worried about Ellen Deal's life at this moment, and that's why I sent in. But it's not him that saves his father. But they finally have that moment of he's not suddenly going to get the lieutenant promotion off of just that moment of bravery. But you go from unstable sweep at the beginning, which his father put him in to, about humility, beautiful stuff with the mm-hmm. the, the jobs of, that teach humility and how to be humble. Um, but then that moment of I'm okay. And then he's still freaking out. And then it's like, I'm, Hey, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, and, and we know that, but it's one of those things where it's so well acted. You forget the plot armor. You're in it for that moment, forgetting that. I know I'm going to see this guy's like, mm. 20, I don't know, 20th great grandchild uh, in the next age. It doesn't matter in that moment because it's just about the fact that we're away from home. We were clashing along the way here, but here we're equals. And and that moment I think was really, really beautiful and ties in with the horse stuff too. And the whole thing of parents and children has been such a key theme 
uh, of the entire thing, whether that's Nori and her father or the two Durans or Elrond saying, hey, man, dads are weird. Mine turned into a star one time. Like that 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 whole theme that's been overarching over the entire thing sort of had a nice moment of crystallization here for sure. Yeah, love, I love Galadriel meeting Isildur. It's really good. And him having the look of his mother, the feel of his father. And I can't believe, Alden, you didn't memorize the quote. I did. Despise not the labor, which humbles the heart. Love that as well. It's some powerful moments there. And I like, we're going to talk about the big, like the big explosion there, the big, the big final act of this. But in the middle of that, it was really effective to go to father and son and have this great moment about the horse. It really uh, emotionally distracted me from what was happening. It worked. I love that scene. Yes, there. Mm-hmm. it did. And by the way, I'm going to start saying that Galadriel quote when I look back on my times working in a Fuddruckers. <laughs> Despise not the work to feed the people their burgers. Yeah. Like that that was, I needed that. And yeah. I didn't know I needed that. Done the work of heroes there. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, there's a lot to pull at. Go wherever you want in, these, uh, in this entire episode, which I'll say, uh, you made the, the comment, uh, The Stranger Things, two and a half hour. Love that series. Not, not, a, not, a, not a shade throw nope. over there, but but this episode, Rachel, had you being an editor, it had an economy of words and scenes and images. And in, 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 a, in a longer episode, it still just got right to where it needed to go. So anyways, where did you want yeah. to go? It was, it was really impressive in that respect. And I think part of that has to do with, you know, Alden mentioned that not even just within Middle Earth films and, and television, but fantasy, it's finding ways to do battles or or any cliche moment that you see in every one of these mm-hmm. movies and, and shows do it somewhat differently find a different way to to come at it um and this was for all intents and purposes on the smaller side of a battle like mm-hmm. we're not talking about you know ten thousand urukai marching against helm's deep we're not mm-hmm. talking about the thirty thousand outside the gates of Minas Tirith. we're talking about a village worth of people half of which turned to the uh, dark side and a, a, a decent army of orcs, but don't get numbers, but we only had, I think 300 Numenorians because yeah. they originally had five then the two ships that were destroyed. So that makes about 300. So by having that, so that you don't have to go super wide and super massive and then hone in on all the things you have the blocking mm-hmm. of fighting in the village and it's um, a small enough space that we are able to understand where everything is in relation to each other. And I think all of that was just very smart mm-hmm. in order to do all of these pieces, um, the different tides of the battle in different ways, but not have to sit there too long because we're too confused about what's happening and who's happening and, and all of that stuff. By keeping it smaller then you could do all of this an hour and 15 minutes and do it very well, which mm-hmm. I'm absolutely saying that they did. Um, um, that's, I think I, I just, that's a great insight too, because even in, in thinking as, as you're talking, I'm like thinking, it's like, yeah, almost it's like there was a battle on the road, you know, it was like, yeah. that was it, but it, it felt bigger than it was. And I wasn't mm-hmm. lost. I, I really think the blocking was great. And it's hard. You got horses, you got stunt performers. There's so much mm-hmm. going on. And uh, I, I think that was just a, some, an insightful point there, Rachel. So I, I apologize. Carry on. Oh, no worries. Just, just the production of all that was, was very smart in order to, to get us again, like this was a narrower episode. We had 
fewer characters than the show has at large and we know the stakes and we know the major players and so it was easier to follow and i mm-hmm. i just i really appreciate it i really do feel like that the direction was spot on the the choreography was spot on and then everybody was elevating their game in terms of the smaller moments and the acting like i thought isildur was much more compelling of a character in this episode than he has been up until this point. Um, And we've already talked about Theo. So um, the only other part of the battle that was, I think, about the most effective for me was the moment when they realized that they've been fighting their own. Because again, we're talking about the, we've won where we did great. And then this realization, Mm -hmm. but, um, I've mentioned this, I think, in, the, in our very first um, casually talk about the first two episodes. This show, the other part of this show that is something we haven't really seen much in Middle Earth before is men versus men. Mm-hmm. And what that means and what the consequences of that, because you could it wasn't explicitly stated, but you could imagine that it was two brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, one who stayed and one mm-hmm. who went to Adar and then to notice that that's who you were essentially fighting, that you'd been tricked into to killing your 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 brothers, your your village mates, your the people you grew up with. Like that's it's so loaded mm-hmm. and so important in my mind to mm-hmm. this series because it's very different than anything we've seen in Middle Earth before with these different groups of men with different mentalities and had been ensnared by different things. And I just, I, I, w- I thought that was gut-wrenching. Mm. Like I just, when it happened and I thought it was just, again, very well done. And then for Adar to spring the trap oh. and the arrows and Bronwyn getting hit. And I was- the arrow like, scene is so good. <laughs> Not showing the archers and just it being anywhere is, but yeah. it's such good filmmaking too, because it's all that stuff about- the world and themes but it plays with like your expectations of what epic is because you have this one-on-one fight with like the undertaker of orcs over here by the well but then you move over and like directly behind him out of focus it's like audience like a uh, crowd cheers and it's like what are you cheering for oh it's <laughs> over and even you have that moment of underwhelming or weird and intentional like it and then it starts to unpack and it's it's like if you handed someone a video game and told them that they just beat it on expert and then they hit pause and they realized you handed it to them on easy. Like that is a really, really scary thing of, Oh, I'm actually not good. I'm no, I'm actually playing on a kid level. These are other farmers. Yeah. As someone who always plays on easy, that's uh, cruel. That's very cruel. Um, no, I, I thought that played out well. And, and, and to what you were talking about, Rachel, as I mentioned earlier, like, uh, you know, I, 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 some, there's some days when I'm sitting around, I'm like, do I want to watch the Lord of the Rings today? One of the reasons to, I convince myself is Theoden going, yay, and turning around, and, and there comes this marching army. It's one of, uh, in the theater, uh, seeing it for the first time, uh, and what would that be, 02? No, 03? Uh, 03. I was gripping the seat at the arc light. <laughs> this, I was too. And couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And, and so this doesn't have that, but it's on that list of, all right, I know something's up, but to what your point, you just brought that big theme in, Rachel, about home. This is an episode that is about home. And that's home versus home right there. And it, it worked really effective. I thought it was sad and tragic. And if elves have to be split going all the way back to the to, to the sons of the sons of darkness and, mm-hmm. and that whole thing, like their split is this is a long con, extremely long con, millennia yeah. of long con. And for the men, time being relative, like 
this has also been a decently long con, the, their ancestors and everything, and they've been sitting around, um, some of them like Waldrig, waiting for the time that the Southlands mm-hmm. can rise again. I don't really want to unpack that. <laughs> but the that, that whole idea of everybody has to, to reckon with their own, even on small, very small levels of someone like Malva up in the Harfoot storyline being like, just leave them. Yeah. de-wheel them uh, and how they're having a schism how Duran and his father were yeah. sort of getting to the point of schism and have now worked out their issue but mm-hmm. you know there's Duran's Bane for a reason and I'm sure there's going to be some some tensions flying everybody sort of has this now even Elrond and Gilgalad him finally saying maybe you're the liar how about that yeah. I'm not going to write your speeches anymore yeah. I like that <laughs> like yeah. it was uh, it's interesting to see everybody sort of having to to turn on each other is a harsh word because only really one group did that. But yeah. Farazan is is waiting to turn. You know, yeah. it's, it's happening in every story. Everybody's got that mm-hmm. person that is willing to act on their worst instinct. Yeah, and, and make the, the wrong choice there. We'll get, uh, get towards the uh, big main event there, but I do want to focus a little bit on what I, I'm saying. Uh, Numenor answers the call. The Jim Ross, my God, my God, that's Numenor's music. Alden, that's, uh, <laughs> Alden and Alex, but uh, Alex, that's got to be, the, that's a sick moment, right? That's a very Lord of the Ringsy moment that I've been waiting for. It seems like you were as well. Yeah, that like you said, you were gripping the seats in the chair. I, I remember vividly just how into return of the king i was and i for like everything i knew about the books fell out of my head Mm. until you heard that horn and i was like oh my god rohan's here i forgot they were even coming and just that whole build up i think it's interesting that they chanted death and so do the uruks in this episode uh but Mm -hmm. that uh, just you can't beat a cavalry charge in Lord of the Rings. I God, I love that scene so much. Even just the glory, like just like the the, the sweeping, like we're almost there scene. Yeah, of and seeing just, Galadriel just, like really yeah, Galadriel. pushing yes. it in the <laughs> just like they face everybody. It's a uh-huh. lot. Like I, Pelennor Fields and that whole battle remains my favorite movie battle ever. Um, and anytime that anything can invoke that feeling, you know, I was not. I was not at the Arclight with Ken in 03. Uh, I was in Pembroke Pines, Florida as a seven-year-old. Um, Ooh, that I was wasn't, the first I movie. wasn't seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was, some of us were not. Uh, I, that was, Return of the King was the first movie that ever horrified me. The mm-hmm. the beginning of that movie with Smeagol's transformation into Gollum. Yeah. I remember looking and being like, can we leave? And they were like, just <laughs> stick it out a little bit. And if you really are scared, we'll leave. Give it a shot for another three and a half hours. And <laughs> <you're> right. <laughs> and so for me, like the end of Return of the King solidifies like if you stick through it, <laughs> like you will get there. And yeah. that was all over this episode. Like mm. the moment of Theo being told like, yes, you can fight, but you need to be there for those who can't fight. Yeah knowing that he's only 14 14 yeah, uh, yeah that whole element of it just felt so right we don't have hobbits or harfoots on the front line yet but mm-hmm. you can sort of have that same resonance with a child yeah love it there right? the yeah. town in general like they're not they they've been at peace for so long that most of these people don't know how to fight and you can see that you know mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. which is such a brave thing for them to do is is come out with whatever small axes and sides that they own they don't have swords they've never been fighters before but it's just yeah. that really you know poignant in a way to to show that mm. evil and 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 
the shadows coming yeah. and how you fight that when you have never had to before. Yeah. Um, but, mm. yeah. Powerful stuff there. Um, I'm torn here. I want to go to some of the big questions, but I also feel we shouldn't, I don't know that ending, everything about it, <laughs> that acts, the reveal, <laughs> the title of the episode. And, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of map research there. Now, as we talk, we don't have uh, a shout out to a shout out to glyphweb.com. Thank you for letting me pull the map without your permission. Uh, we don't have Mount, Mount doom. I know that, uh, but we can imagine Rachel, um, this is kind of where we're playing with, right? This is, this is the, the plains here of Mordor. Uh, take us through this map, like a weather person. <laughs> All right. Well, the only thing that if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you'll recognize the Moranin is the main gate that Frodo and Sam want to go through with Gollum, mm. but realize that there's no way they're going to get through. And so Gollum suggests a different approach through Kirith Ungle, which would be closer down to the Durthang area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you don't see Barador here, but that would be kind of in the vicinity of where Karkost is. Right. And then Udun is the plane that was, um, that came into being because of the explosion of Mount Doom. So that's what we saw in the episode. So this here doesn't have Mount Doom on it, but I would say it's somewhere Mm -hmm. to the lower right side, um, closer to like where uh, the Mm -hmm. plateau of Gorgoroth is. Because Gorgoroth is what Sam and um, Frodo had to cross to get to Mount Doom. So this might just be like prior to Sauron building up Mm. Uh, Mordor, so that's why the, the, a lot of the things that we would um, right. recognize from the movies isn't in it. But this is the general shape, and the idea is the center of it is mm. what the Southlands used to be, right. and because of the explosion, um, uh, it, no it decimates that this whole area turns it to volcanic, you know, rocky nothingness where nothing can mm. grow because that's where orcs thrive. And um, and yeah, so to to see that happen. And then Udun is a very layered word. It actually, mm-hmm. there's even more backstory to, it was another way to describe Utomno, which was Morgoth's very first fortress. Mm-hmm. And so Sauron would have been aware of that. So in some ways, a lot of people think that like the plain of Udun or uh, that area is, is a callback to his old master because that's what his very first mm. fortress was called. Nostalgic Sauron. Yeah, so touching. Like so touching. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Sauron's like, I remember the good old days. Sauron is the type of guy that would name his cat Mithril, is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he just takes something out of the lore. Yeah. And I know we got the podcast listeners. We did put a map up here on the YouTube side. I apologize for that. But uh, Rachel did such a, a great job of describing kind of the, the lay of the land. Now, all through this uh, series, uh, what will be Mount Doom, uh, you know, was in the background. It was kind of sneaky early on. I saw some tweets of like, it oh, like a mountain. Yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Um, I, I just, it's original name. Bronwyn says it's original name, right? Yeah. Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah. The, so, and then it's a, 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 a O word. Or a druid. Or a druid. Yeah. Like, oh, everywhere from here to there. And it was like, oh, that's a casual line. And that, then other people were like, that's not casual. That, is not that a was casual a moment line. that I like, I perked up. I was like, oh, that's that. Where yeah. it, just like uh, Slymore in the last yeah. hand. 100% episode, was like, oh, the same no. energy as well, it, Grand Vizier. No. To, to, yeah. To, to you, Alex, man, that, 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 you know, Star Wars explains for for years. You love Star Wars on many levels, but that was part of it the trivia, the answers, the knowledge, the connections. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I do 
kind of geek out when you start making those kind of connections. It's not everything. It's not the themes, not the plots. It's sometimes just uh, decorations on the cake. But this is big, and I, I don't know. I've been geeking out of those little things and kind of waiting for this moment. I just didn't think this would happen. So, Alex, I don't know if you're as excited for the details on this one as I am. Uh, well, I, I definitely am not catching as many. Uh, yeah. There, I, I caught Aradruin. I saw Narsil in that, episode five or six, the four, I think. Yeah, or, four, I think. Uh, and, and then, like, I my friend uh, Ashton, who knows, like, he knows so much about Tolkien, and he was pointing out, well, that's so and so's spear, and that's uh, he was like pointing out everything in that room. I was like, this is so much fun. I think <laughs> someone else do this for me. Isn't uh, like. A, Good one that I think Nikki, who was on our live show this past week from Imperial Senate, isn't um, Valendil his buddy? Won't he name his son Valendil? The youngest like, son that way, he, way later. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because nice. I remember seeing it the first time. I was like, wait, Valendil hasn't been born yet. I'm like, oh, uh, which a, basically means yeah. this guy's gonna die at some point. <laughs> he will have name. a noble end. He will. I'm sure he will. But yeah, he will yeah. be you know naming his youngest son. He's, he's gonna have a Qui Gon's noble end moment where yeah. he holds him and he's like, Valendil's a really good name, by the way. So yeah, yeah. The volcano. Real quick about the volcano. Yeah, let's go to the volcano. On. Let's go. Let's go to the ending. Well, I got some star like, questions. Let's go. Let's go to this big. Sure. Ending. Yeah, but I mean, just literally. Yeah. How a volcano works. I'm no expert, but I did see uh, in the hours since this episode premiered, somebody said, if you're questioning whether or not a waterfall would be that bad, here's a video of someone throwing a jug of water into magma and it would be that bad. Yeah. Even a jug of water in this YouTube video sent the lava flying into the air. Well, it's like in like third grade, didn't I build a paper mache volcano? Isn't this how it worked? I put maybe some, I can't remember. I think I remember. Very similarly. It. A dark, a dark magic paper mache. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just remember building it and then my wrist started bleeding and the blood went up towards my knife as I was making it. It was weird. It was a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought yeah. it was interesting um, to, to finally explain the tunnels. Yeah. Because in last week's episode, the orc general says to Adar, the tunnels are done. Mm-hmm. And and everybody, or at least originally my mind was like, oh, that's how they're going to get to Osterith, the tower. And, you know, and that's how they, and they did. It's how they moved around during the day and everything yeah. else. But they didn't use the tunnels at all during the entire battle. And so it was like kind of in the back of my head, I was like, what were those for just to get around? Like, I feel like it was a bigger plot point and then <laughs> this land. And I'm like, that's why they built them. I thought it was great. I just thought that it was a great sort of slight long con in terms of what this really is about is something you don't realize until this very uh, end moment. Yeah, I'm curious, like the idea of the key, the sword and the, the place where it, it unlocked the the dam if you will so that all the water could flood towards Ordron. that was sauron's plan mm. and then adar ditched sauron with his group of orcs and decided to enact on it mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy because clearly adar mm. has broken with sauron to some mm-hmm. extent one way or the other yeah. so maybe maybe adar really does believe he killed sauron and that that's why he's going to fulfill Sauron's eventual plan, which was go down to the Southlands, turn it into mortar and be a, a haven for, for Oryx. Yeah. Uh, but I was kind of like interested in like, clearly this was something Sauron put into motion, maybe even in ago. the previous age, you yeah. know, to, yeah. to build 
something that would require a key and that would lead yeah. all of this. So like, it's like, it's almost like a, I buy into the dogma. I just don't buy into you. Like <laughs> yeah. you need to go, even yeah. if I align with like what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie I have lots of issues with, so I can't believe I'm invoking it here, but the uh, like, I'm here to fulfill Ra's al Ghul's destiny. Like you are <laughs> a Lieutenant and you were not on good terms at all, but the mm-hmm. ideologies still track with what you want mm-hmm. as a villain in your own right. Mm-hmm. And whereas like it, it's, or, or it's almost like just advantageous, like, Oh, I killed him. So I think, and he left these plans. He was going to have this as like the home for his cannon fodder, but why not still use these plans to have a nice home? Like mm-hmm. ever, you know, motivation mm-hmm. sort of circling around the same thing yeah. is an interesting thing. Mm, I love it. First of all, am I the only one that yelled, release the river? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Might have misused it. Might have been a different, uh, for a different spirit. Um, <laughs> you, you guys are, you, you, I'm itching to get to this, so we'll get to some of the big questions here, uh, Adar, uh, Adar, and um, I, always, I always say it three ways every episode, Adar, uh, and uh, Sauron, how brand, how it works in, but just uh, the, the how that all played out. The water, the water spouting up, uh, the sound, the rumble, man. And then just uh, old Uncle Benjamin there holding his ear to the ground and going to the tunnels. I thought this show all through the season uh, has really executed big moments like this. Well, this was the biggest thus far. And it was both, oh, I kind of, this is what I would think would happen, but also completely surprising, wonderful world put together. Um, so there you go. Alex, did you yell, release the river? Please, someone be on my I side. definitely thought it. Okay. I, I more went just like, God, I hope that village isn't downriver. Uh, <laughs> but I, I should point out, like, this was my favorite episode so far, but it worked so well because yeah. of the previous five and how well yeah. they built things up, like the tunnels, of just seeing all of that pay off and be like, oh, that's what those are for. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And then seeing the volcano being like, oh, no. no. Uh, yeah. just was not expecting Mordor to be created or Udun to be created mm-hmm. in season one, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's, I'm just going to just, we're, we're just open this up to the floor here. We're going to have a good old discourse desk here. This is wonderful questions. You're talking about Sauron's plan. Maybe mm. Adar picked up on it there. I have this, I keep going to this idea of what does it really mean that Adar split him open? I killed Sauron. I've heard that before in other fantasy things of, uh, you know, he's more man now, twisted uh, and, and evil. Um, more machine now than man, I should say. Um, I, I, I focus on that. I'm not saying this isn't some big theory that I have uh, that uh, Sauron's been split in two or that that Adar's saying, you know, I killed Sauron. I'm something, but I, I don't know. It just got mm. me thinking on a wide world of possibilities. And then you got old Halbrand kind of being like, you know, you remember me? You remember what you did? What's up? What's up? What's up? I just, there's. And when so Adar sorry. says, Who says are no. you? Yeah. And yeah. like, and then the, the no. But then when Adar, when Halbrand's walking out of the barn after taking Gladriel off the ledge, right. like, Adar just is like, Who are you? And Halbrand stops, doesn't turn, and then just keeps walking. Yeah. <laughs> and what's great about it is that they, they separate. The, the first beat and the second beat with the Galadriel scene. Yeah. Almost like to, to really pace it well, because when he's got the spear to his throat and he really could have just finished it right there before Galadriel pulls him off the ledge, mm-hmm. Adar does that villain thing of, oh, was it a woman? Mm-hmm. Was it a child? And you think that, yes, you think that he is actually referring to events. Then with the context of like, 
Adar's clearly been thinking about this now for at least a day and is like, who are you? Then you realize, no, Adar was actually theorizing. He really doesn't remember him Mm. Uh, or really isn't sure, at least. Because when he said a woman, a child, I was like, oh, did he kill his wife and kid? Mm. And then you're like, nope, that's just him actually trying to parse this out out loud. Mm. And the who are you is sort of like. I, I first interpreted that as we keep referencing uh, great movies, the, the Street Fighter film uh, with yeah, Rob Kitchell, Bison. Uh, yeah, for me it was just a Tuesday. Like that's that's how yeah. I interpreted that at first, but now right. y'all y'all are scaring me. Well, he's because again, it was like they they just keep putting equal amount of work into Sauron, not Sauron. Mm-hmm. And last time, I thought that the throwing down the necklace and then picking it up before the like before everything kicked in i was like okay he's not maybe which king still possible yeah my new pet theory is king of the dead and, and, and oathbreaker i've I heard think, that i like that i saw even possible. a tweet about that i saw i saw the matching of the armor Ooh, i don't know yeah. I don't see know. i didn't see an armor thing i just mm. figure you were just named king now you are king of a volcanic ash wasteland you don't have anything to rule over anymore most of your subjects are probably dead now what if, you know, Muriel or Ellen Deal's like, hey, these mountains are nice. Take these mountains as a gift, and then when we need you, we'll call upon you one day. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally be there. Yeah. You know, that's mm. just theorizing. But yeah, it's an interesting thing to see him sort of more than Adar, more than the stranger. He There's, like, so many cases for and against, which is very interesting. It's It's been fun. So the question, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Rachel. Yeah. So the question then for me is... Would this show go six episodes deep in an eight-episode season without showing a Sauron? Mm. I think it's possible. I, I mean, think, it's I'm it's thinking so it's more possible now than yeah. I initially thought. I really did right. think that they mm. were stacking the deck with all of these possibilities, but we've already knocked Adar completely off. Like that's mm. definitely not the case. I mean, everything we keep seeing with the stranger makes me think less and less likely. And had the Hal brand, like Alden said so well, it's one moment he's Sauron, the next moment, no way. And then, nope, this points to Sauron. And this, no. So, like, it's, it's, yeah. Now I'm, I'm less inclined to think he is because it, 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 it was too easy ultimately for us to figure out. I'm not sure. Yeah. And there's also the element, like I was talking with Nikki uh, last night, cause he's my like 4am let's text about this person. And well, it was also for, for the ease of it. I had not had that thought until you people put it in my head and now I'm <laughs> terrified. <laughs> well, see, we're here to give you wait, paranoia. Wait, what, what, <laughs> what, what thought specifically that Hal Brown was Sauron? Yeah. I, that never crossed my mind. I oh, was just wow. like, Oh, see, that's oh. been such a huge thing that yeah. it just became an ongoing bit here. Of, yeah, of it's been game, great being game. offline for this show. That's great. I, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, and, and, and Rachel kind of brought up what is kind of the internal debate of the show and probably a lot of fans of, it, it seems yeah. so obvious, and that could mean it's so obvious and how you get there is important, or it's totally a red herring and that's part of the fun, part of the mystery mm-hmm. box. And not everyone loves mystery box. I don't think this is a big classic, you know, Abrams mystery box. This, this is just, they're unveiling it, and and, and the why yeah. and the journey is important but yeah that's kind of the big struggle alex is we're like is it so mm-hmm. obvious for a reason uh because yes or because no or is it mo- is it because it's it has moments of being modern it never stops being lord of the rings but it has moments of like it, it is a television show in 2022 
to have a Thanos fine, I'll do it myself moment at the end of the season would fit with the way the stories are crafted now. So I can almost see that being a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, and then the struggle for me here with Halbrand is that you don't want to retroactively undermine choices like in episode five yeah. of I'm going to choose my better instinct. And then later on be like, aha, viewers, that was actually him deciding which villain plan he wanted to go with. Politic with Farzan or go hurt them somewhere else. Like, yeah, a, a great writer can make it work. I have no doubt. But it's an interesting thing to see them sort of ride this line. Yeah. So, you know, Stranger's not in this episode, but we've been doing Stranger theories too, uh, Alex. And yeah, there's a lot of theories. It's the same thing with the stranger. Like I love that he'll do something beautiful and then the fireflies die. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what to think of him either. Yeah. Yeah. And especially now the, the, the little, the revelation last week uh, uh, of the map of, of where the Harfords are going and how that a lot of people saying that pokes more towards the blue wizard side there. We'll figure that out there. But yeah. Um, See, that just proves that uh, I'm right, though. Alex is with me. Halbrand's just a good dude waiting for a good opportunity. He just needs his job back. He's the king. Yeah, I'm the king. I'm here. I'm back. I don't know. Uh, so much on the table. I don't know. Like, like that's. I just wrote down that note. It's just, all right, so who is Sauron? And, and to your question, Rachel, that's a great question. Would they go this far without revealing them? And I, I, I would have said no, absolutely not. But, yeah, um, I love this confusion because I don't know the answer right now. Right, because the thing we do know is that he's going to show up in a form we won't recognize. Like that, in the Second Age, he had that ability. So for everybody that knew that, and I think even non-lore fans had heard it or figured that out or whatnot, we've been on the lookout. And so it would be kind of interesting if the creators were like, yeah, go ahead, look and check out all our little things that'll make you think one way or the other and maybe mm-hmm. this guy then maybe that guy maybe that whatever um but this season is not about sauron this yeah. season is about setting up the second age the major players all the the pieces and that it won't be until next season that you know somebody shows up in Eregion and says hey want to make some rings yeah yeah i really do <laughs> think i i wonder like is it somebody in that Somebody not seen in the storyline. Sauron is one of the guys carrying home Disa's new coffee table. That's <laughs> like, it, it could be someone that small who is like, I'm yeah. going to work my way into the inner circle. Well, of the and honestly, he's a, he's a good guy right now. But once he learns about that prank, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Point. He's the guy. Yeah. He's the guy that kind of dropped at the table at the end that Duran laughed at. He's like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. I lo- well, I love, laugh at me. I, I, I love this. Uh, so to you, Alex, uh, you know, uh, the, the idea of Sauron hanging over the show in a different way, not who is he, but uh, what's the legacy, what's the specter of darkness that Sauron still has over the land, just as everyone kind of still asks about him. I love Waldry just being like, me, no offense, where is he, man? <laughs> where is he? <laughs> um, uh, has that, uh, does, does uh, I'm fascinated, Alex, about your relationship with the show then. Like, like does this does this make you want to go back and, 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 and register an opinion now, look at every corner under the carpets like we are under the rugs? A little bit. I mean, my eyes have been open looking for potential yeah. Saurons because it's the whole, uh, I think, it's the, the question. enemy would uh, appear fairer, feel fouler. Yeah. I guess I just haven't gotten the the feel fouler from Halbrand that mm-hmm. maybe I've been too fixated on that. Um, but now I'm like, yeah, if he manipulated his way uh, into, and even Galadriel had that line last week of like, some might be say that you were using me to get 
over to the Southlands. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I just wasn't expecting Sauron to show up and be like a Palpatine level manipulator. Yeah, but the old Uno he manipulated everyone into the rings. So yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the the that's the villain that Sauron is in this age. Is he is. Mm. He he's a, a people reader and a manipulator and a string puller and like that's absolutely what he is. And so for Halbrand early on, I think it was the the really brutal fight that he took out mm-hmm. um, those mm-hmm. guild members that first got a lot of people thinking like he didn't just disarm them or defend himself, like he set out to hurt them. And a lot of people are like that's kind of strange. And I think in the same episode, it was clear that he was a smith and Sauron is a smith. Mm. So like th- there was things like that that I was seeing at that stage that that's what was making me think, I think by episode three that I was yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah. Is this like, just like Sauron? on the television level too of like we're still unclear about some of the legality. I've joked that like after the pilot, they got bolder and like, you know, is there anything to that? Probably not. But like this idea that. Is it legally we cannot say Anatar, mm-hmm. therefore we're going to do our things? Or is it for fun we're not going to use the name Anatar because we want to get everyone from the experts down to the new fans? Uh, so let's yeah. take a character and give him Anatar esque stories we would have done in the Calm Halbrand. Who cares? Like, just make yeah. up a name that sounds like. Ken, I, I might like Adar, but you're over here rooting for Sauron. So, <laughs> it's, it's just, but I, I, I like I said, I, I always say I, I know my way around this world. I just can't give directions, meaning I, I've spent a lot of time on the Jackson side of things uh, and, and spending more time on the Tolkien side of things just doing some research for another project. So I, I'm loving it. But yeah, I, I think once, uh, you know, Rachel and Alden kind of pointed out some stuff too, I was like, God bless it. God, he just was such a good dude on that boat. <laughs> like just, yeah. And that's the thing. I, I mean, it, he was trying to abandon people. <laughs> yeah, there was that too. There was that element. But yeah, I mean, my, I still details, am in love details. with the idea of like it being <laughs> true. Like, well, He's good, and eventually he'll break an oath. He's right. good, or eventually he'll take a ring. And like yeah. the, all the people that he could be, um, yeah. my bulldog well, is chiming in. Apologies. No, no that's yeah. fine. It, it, we also have to point out you're still in, in you know in Florida dealing with slight weather conditions, so all that uh, is true. Uh, you know, good vibes out there to everyone in there. Um, let's just let's have fun in the time we have remaining here. If you're all okay with this, uh, playing this this string out here, so to speak. Let's say Halbrand is Sauron. What does he do now? What does he do looking around and going, well, blank, bleep, that was my plan. I'm really upset at that guy now. What, what does he do from this point on if it is Sauron, Rachel? Well, the lore nerd in me says he heads north yeah. because that's the main thing that he has to start to get involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems less and less likely because if he is now the king of the Southlands, given the Southlands are being turned into Udun, they're going to have to migrate somewhere else. And, um, you know, whether they become Southrons or Easterlings or just some of the men in the Lost Nark area, the mountains or whatnot, I, I don't know. Mm. But um, but it would be weird for him to, like, take up that mantle and then leave. Yeah. So that's another sort of yeah. point against him for doing right. it. However, yeah. again, I trust the writers yeah. to give him a reason 
to go to Eregion and it could just be to shore up Elvish connections. You know, he's got along very well with Galadriel. She's probably going to eventually have to head back up there too. Um, And, and surprise, I didn't go to the Valinor. Well, to this point, like she, she now has proof about orcs and orcs and Mm -hmm. to go, she, she should go back to Gilgalad and be like, look, you, you didn't believe me. Plus he sees the rot on the leaves and everything else. Like, so all of this is, coming yeah, together. Yeah. Uh, um, what what a real life tale to have a woman be like, this is what I've done to prove what I'm saying is true. Do you believe me? Right, yeah. Mm, yeah, I'll bring you, I'll bring you an orchid like Bronwyn did yeah. in uh, whatever the second episode. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if if so if he goes to Eregion and he meets Celebrimbor and he's a smith and Celebrimbor is trying to build this this whole thing and create things and they get along great and start creating rings. I mean, I can see it. Yeah, um, yeah. But the second he does it, it's going to be the giveaway. So that's the thing. Like yeah. whoever, whatever non-named, I don't think they'll call him Anatar. It's too much of a giveaway to most of us. Yeah, right. Whatever stranger or character we already know appears up there and starts helping with the rings. Unless there's like five of them helping with the rings, then we have to guess which one it's going to be. <laughs> one of know. you will get to stay here. One of um, you. That's <laughs> 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 good reality <laughs> show. Yeah. <laughs> you get a rose, you get a rose. Kelly Brimbor is that guy too, because Kelly Brimbor has just been, like the, the crap he pulled on Elrond with the look, I wanted to tell you. He wouldn't let me tell you. Like he is such a, the, just a yeah. dramatic yeah easily like i just remembered something about your father that would actually fit into the like mm-hmm. everything he says is has an air of like being very this effing yeah. guy but rachel quick question without like i don't want to accidentally throw anything for non-more people but like just based on like research stuff like it there's a whoever sauron is there's a farazan sauron like we're gonna be on the island together for a while but that's after the forging like we shouldn't in, expect that in the technical canon, yes. The okay. it, rings happen first, and then Farazan's story happens after the fact. Got it. Um, got it. Mm-hmm. So that's what confused a lot of us with Numenor sailing to Middle Earth in aid of the Southrons, uh, the, the uh, mm-hmm. Southlands, excuse Southland. me, um, was sort of like, wait, that's not supposed to happen until. Farazan goes over. Okay, so the but the Numenorians do go over to Middle Earth more often. Mm-hmm. So like that's yeah. where we sort of like come together on that. But in theory, the the order of things is Sauron does two major things in the Second Age: helps forge the rings, which we all know, and then a story that I won't go into any more detail with uh, the Numenorians. So yeah. I assume that's still the chronology they have to stick with, but I just feel like they are, they didn't start out with making the rings as quickly as I think a lot of us thought they were. Going. Sauron is the Julius Caesar looking guild member. That's who it is. <laughs> that's that, that, that's yeah. great. No, I love this there. Uh, no, they're just asking, uh, just seeing where this goes. Cause yeah. Yeah. If he, if, if we, uh, and, we, and now, now that we know some of the promo shots we, we saw of Galadriel uh, in the uh, the lava-rich sky, as we now know, not to see it kind of sink up, you know, if, if, if Halbrand looks around mm. and is like, damn, this was my plan. That um, is so fun, too, that they yeah. release promo shots where everyone universally, the shot of mm-hmm. bodies floating with the red tint yeah. and the shot of Galadriel, now we know, in volcanic ash, I remember everyone saying, 
it's the first kinsling or it's the war of wrath. It's all these things. And I love that it was none of them. <laughs> and when she was climbing the, the, the ice waterfall, yeah. we all thought it was hell Caraxi, but mm-hmm. like that's something that's in the Silmarillion and it was the crossing of the elves, you know, the, the, the Noldor that were the, not the Fionnurians crossed yeah. over the ice and many of them died in that. And so like, I did it. I was like, wait, is, are they going to show the crossing of the elves? I was like mind blown, but it, it turned out not to be anything about that. So part, yeah. of, part of the fun, part of the fun, still yeah. waiting for Boba Fett's ship to so, uh, show up in solo. Right. Alex? Oh, you still beat me. You beat me. I was going to do a plague of staff joke. You beat me. <laughs> still waiting for plague of staff. Where is Mephisto? We're almost done here, but uh, um, uh, Alex, for you and I, who just think Halbrand's a good guy and, and uh, Adar's a Good guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Alex. <laughs> we, 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 we don't need to do our predictions, but Alden, to you, I've, I've asked uh, Rachel this tough question of, all right, if Halbrand mm-hmm. is Sauron, what he does, but here's here's this one for you. All right, so Halbrand's uh, the future witch king. What does he do right now when he opens his eyes in this volcanic ash storm? Well, I, I is there, my, my then I would throw a question back uh, to Rachel on this. I feel like Halbrand is now in need of a place for himself and survivors, which could inform if it's going to be Witch King or if it's going to be, you know, the King of the Dead and the Oathbreakers and all those men. Like, it, what is our relation? What, what is our odds, our geographical odds of a mountain settlement or of something that could lead to this Angmar adjacent maybe area? Because I, I think that that's, that's, I think, is the next step, no matter what villain he's a prequel version of i think the idea is you're now the you came here to be the king of this area and now there's no area, there's no area. so now you need to find an area yeah well angmar is very far in the north oh so God. that seems unlikely a place that he would take his people um but that could easily be explained a way that like he becomes the king of angmar after he takes the ring becomes mm-hmm. the lead nazgul and then sets up a fortress up in the north yeah. um but um mm. Yeah, I think geographical will help determine that, um, but they might be a little less specific about it. It'll just be like in the lands around where Gondor and Athelion eventually mm-hmm. are. Um, yeah. So that it'll be it'll, that'll keep it more ambiguous, but it'll keep right. it near Mordor, which I mm-hmm. think would be the key for him to become a Nazgul. He has to be close enough to where Sauron's going to be to eventually be corrupted by him. Mm. And what I love is that, like, and um, what I love about the character work is with this, it took everything in his soul to go with them for this mission and then to get there and all this stuff. Mm. Now he's in a place of such loss and I'm so excited. He's doing such a great job um, Mm -hmm. just as an actor. The whole cast is just unbelievable. Now we're going to get to see the I knew I shouldn't have come like classic sort of it blew up in my face moment in the journeys and that yeah I literally blew up in my face and all of our faces and I love the potential that that gives for any of these turns or something completely original of of course after this loss he's a guy that would accept a gift of help from somebody of course after this loss he's the type of guy that would maybe break an oath out of fear Mm. etc 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 in the same way that we're drawing these lines to Galadriel's, you know, final test and final moment of clarity and fellowship, all of these lines are now open for him to have his vengeful instincts mm-hmm. confirmed, his fearful instincts confirmed, his paranoia confirmed, 
all of which are easy to prey on. Yeah, especially after you go, yeah, that's right, I am the king, and I'm back. Let's do this. Uh-oh, things changed rather fast. All right, let's get some final thoughts, and then we can get on out of here. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you having around. I love to let the world know that you love things other than Star Wars, like Indiana Jones as well. Uh, so thank you very much. Final big thought on this episode uh, as we look towards episode seven, where the uh, dwarves are digging deep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that one thing I didn't mention where I, I've talked about how I've been surprised at how, you know, the elves and the men, they're not working together. All the heroes, the people, the races we classically view as heroes are kind of at odds and not acting very noble. But seeing like that moment of Ellen Deal in danger, Isildur rushing to his aid and uh, knowing that they had the plot armor, but also knowing that in the future – uh, that's going to be very tragic because Isildur is going to watch his father die just up the road at that mountain. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing, while everyone is at, at odds together, I just kept remembering that this is building towards a last alliance and that we are going to see the heroes working together uh, to fight Sauron wherever he is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've been enjoying using what, little knowledge I have uh, of the universe to draw those lines to where we're going to be and knowing that it will all work out kind of for a little bit. Yeah. You don't find the light and the shadow will not find you. That's uh, you're tying it all to that. And uh, this show needed to function uh, as a show for everyone. And I think uh, you and I can uh, joke about our knowledge in this world, uh, but it's it's uh, part of how the show is working. It's got to uh, hit everyone. I think it is, and it's a hard line to cross. Alex, thank you so much. We'll uh, let uh, you tell people where to find you here in a second. All the final thoughts on this big episode. Yeah, just building off of what Alex said about our knowledge, our audience knowledge of The Last Alliance, whether that's season four or season five, both, because it'll be a presumably decompressed version, um, whereas Peter Jackson and Fran Welsh and Philip Boyens had to do an incredible prologue version mm -hmm. um this they can do the hey we had to hang out in Imladris for a while and build up and i i would love to see all of that to know that this was our first moment of storylines colliding you know we didn't have to wait seasons like we did over in, in westeros essos to finally connect in big ways here is like we're in it this storyline this storyline and this storyline are together now mm -hmm. um was very exciting and to see how well they did that how they picked their moments, knew what we needed to see. Like I said up top, like, you know, the quote unquote fast travel, which like some people could see as a criticism. It's like you pick your moments. Like I've said with House of the Dragon, you go where the meat of the story is. Now that they've proven that they can do it so beautifully, it just has me so excited for every other instance of that that we might get. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have chills when Elrond and Isildur meet, you know, for the first time, whenever that's going to be, will be extremely exciting. And on the battle level, as, as you said, Rachel, like it wasn't even that big. 300 Numenorians, mm -hmm. a small host of orcs. To think that we will see things like the fall of entire elfin societies, like a region, like mm -hmm. what they stand to be able to do here um, with all that sweet Jeffrey Bezos money is incredible. <laughs> Bezos money. Rachel, uh, thank you again for uh, joining us. Uh, uh, big episode, a lot of stuff going on. Always a lot of lore questions. We appreciate your insights, both not to not just the show, but the lore and the history of this world. Uh, we lean on it because we need your guidance. You are our Galadriel through the lore here. Uh, final big thoughts on uh, this big episode. Yeah, very so similar to what Alden just said. 
it gives me hope for bringing all the stories together. They did mm -hmm. it so well at this level. Um, I'm, I'm not quite ready to call this my favorite episode because it doesn't have Elrond in it. And he is my favorite character by far in this show. Elrond <laughs> and his and yep. relationship mm -hmm. with Dern and Disa yep. is, is just one of the greatest things they've come up with so far. So I am very excited to start seeing the stories collide a bit more because then I think it will feel less disparate. It will feel like episodes can stand on their own because right now I don't even know if I can say I have a favorite episode. I have favorite moments and mm -hmm. scenes within episodes, yeah. um, but they've all had to be spaced out in such a way because we've been in four different corners for a yeah. while, but the coming together they did it so brilliantly in this episode that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing more of it come together. And for characters that haven't met to meet, I think it's going to be very interesting to see when Galadriel reconnects with Alrond in Gilgalad and potentially Celebrimbor. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really looking forward to all of that. Uh, but generally speaking, as an hour and 15 minutes worth of television, this episode had just about everything I want, except Elrond. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Great thoughts from all of you here today. Yeah, I absolutely love this episode. I don't love ranking things at all, too. But there's so many moments in all of these I love. But this episode was uh, the path forward, definitely, as we move all these stories into one. That's a great uh, a bit of insight from all of you there. We are out of here today. I want to thank you all for following me. Uh, if you do so at Cadapsock or go to, go, into, go to my website if you want information on upcoming comedy shows with Mark Ellis. Thank you for following Casterly Talk on Twitter. And thank you for subscribing to the YouTube channel. We are now a partnered YouTube channel. And thank you for listening to the podcast as well. That's where you can find me and all the stuff I do. Alden, quickly, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, talking Star Wars on Octa Radio, where we have our little network of shows there. It's primarily interviews, but we do cover all the shows. Uh, our Andor discussion, a little bit affected by the hurricane here in Florida. I'm okay. Thanks for everybody that's reached out and asked. We're all good. Florida's very weird. I had one broken branch, whereas some other people's homes are destroyed. So yeah. it's disparity is very freaky. Um, find ways that you can definitely support um, and help out for sure. Everybody that was affected. Uh, so Andor will roll on next week. We're going to combine four and five on Octa Radio, and then find me writing different places. Uh, I had a piece on StarTrek.com recently, hoping to do more of those. And yeah, find me watching this guy's explainer videos as well about about easter eggs <laughs> good stuff uh rachel where can they find you if they want to uh send you all the wonderful lore questions that i just go halbrand's great <laughs> anytime twitter and instagram at rachel cushing levine all one word alex thank you so much hopefully it's not the last time we have you around these parts uh let them know where they can find you and those explainer videos like the wonderful one on the collection in luthan rails uh store that helped okay. me uh, th this worked out. This was maybe the last chance I have to have some free time on a Friday uh, because of Andor. I was lucky enough to get the screeners before, and that has been so helpful in making content. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even think of so, that. Yeah, uh, I'm over at Star Wars Explained with my wife, Molly, and we are breaking down Andor. The High Republic's coming back. Anything Star Wars, we're covering it. Uh, having a blast with Andor. And, uh, yeah, Star Wars Explained on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, etc. Go find him. Go find everyone here. Thank you all. So for my buddy, Halbrand, who's just, just trying to do right by the world, we'll see you next time here on Gas.